Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be in worship with you uh, today, and uh, we continue to thank God for your, um, your continued sacrifice and stewardship over the resources to help uh, Trinity Church uh, advance the kingdom of God, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, uh, in not only here in Lansing, but even around the world. So we're very, very grateful for, for you. Uh, yesterday was um, kind of a big day for some individuals, and that is yesterday at 6 a.m., um, the, uh, the Great Britain uh, had uh, crowned another monarch. And I know that everybody in here got up, they set you, set the TV, your alarm to get up at 6 a.m. to watch the pomp and circumstance, right? Yeah, okay, well, yes. wow, like a hostile crowd here this morning. Well, the, the thing is, is that you and I, we don't, we don't that, that doesn't really kind of get our goat because we don't talk about monarchs and we don't talk about kings and queens. We live in America, so that really doesn't um, kind of shape our thinking. And so we, we don't really don't have a good understanding and, and neither do we care in some regard because it doesn't really affect us in, in, uh, in, in, our, in our personal lives. There was a lot of pomp and circumstance. There was a lot of um, pictures and there was a lot of appearances and parades and glitz and glamour. There was um, Charles III. He sat on a 700-year-old seat and had a five-pound crown on his head that he would only wear uh, during the coronation. Well, I mean, that doesn't really get our goat because we don't truly understand it. It doesn't happen here in America. And yet, it was something that was important for the, the British and other commonwealths. The reality is, is that when the Queen, Queen Elizabeth died in September of 2022, the, the people of Great Britain, they were longing for someone to actually sit on the throne. They were longing for Charles III to take over the kingdom. They were longing and aching for that to happen. And so, uh, yesterday, we saw a culmination of that. But, but even as they longed for Charles to sit on the throne, 2,000 years ago, uh, the disciples were asking kind of the same question, had a similar ache in their heart after Jesus rose from the dead. They met Jesus. Jesus, remember, he sat with and taught and was around his friends for about 40 days. And he taught them about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit living inside of his believers. He, he showed them many proofs that he was alive. But he also talked about this big concept called the kingdom of God. So I want you to turn very quickly because there was an ache in their hearts and I believe it's an ache in our heart as well. Turn with me very quickly to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And if you're looking on the Bible that the church provides, it is page 909, if you're not familiar with the Bible. 
Acts chapter 1. We've read this passage. I'm not going to read the entire uh, eight verses, but I do want to highlight a couple of places here. So it begins in the first book. We know the first book to be the Gospel of Luke, O Theophilus. Theophilus is a guy who is looking to um, to confirm and affirm his faith. And so he sends Luke on a journey to actually um, find out about Jesus and come back. And then Luke writes the two-volume set, Luke and the book of Acts. And so uh, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he uh, had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after uh, his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about, there's our word, the kingdom of God. Now I want you to jump down to verse number 6. So when they had come together, talking about the disciples as well as Jesus, They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? There's our word again, kingdom. And he said to them, none of your business. That's kind of what he said. It is not for you to know the no times or seasons that the Father had fixed, has fixed by his own authority. Now, what they're asking is this. They're saying, listen, Rome is oppressing us. Rome is really... Uh, really giving us the business. As soon as they hear kingdom, they're thinking that Jesus, they're thinking politically, and they're thinking that Jesus is going to set up a political kingdom to take care of Rome and the Roman Empire, to take care of Caesar and the Roman Empire. So they are thinking materially, they're thinking politically, and so they're saying, Jesus, when are you going to set up your throne? When are you going to be enthroned so that there will be a king other than Caesar, an emperor other than Caesar on the throne who's benevolent, who is kind, who is compassionate? When is that going to happen? And Jesus says, that's not for you to worry about. The one thing you need to worry about is that I am giving you power and I want you to take this good news, this gospel, that life, you can have life with the Father. I'm giving you this now and I want you to go and share this good news with others. And I'm empowering you to do so. And so, so the ache that uh, maybe some of the British people had um, 2,000 years earlier, we see the disciples wanting Jesus to set up a kingdom. And I would say, I would dare say, that's in our hearts as well, even though we may not be able to articulate it like them. We look at the violence around us and we say, Jesus, when are you going to come back and take care of the violence? Jesus, Jesus, when are you going to come back and take care of sickness and pain and suffering and cancer? We may, not, we may not say it like they say it, but we have that ache inside of us. When are you going to come back and when are you going to give peace where there is confusion and chaos? Jesus, when are you going to come back and when are you going to set up your kingdom so, you, so, you, so your people can experience peace and joy and the way things ought to be? Now, the same questions, we were just asking them in a different way. The same, that's what the disciples were asking, and and that's what you and I are asking deep down inside. And and Jesus answers, he he tells them, 
listen, I, I'm, I'm, I want you to actually go and share this good news with others. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of God, and I hear people, you hear, we hear this phrase, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, the words are used synonymously. And you've heard this term before, and you're wondering, like, oh, man, like, like, I, like, like Marvin, you, you got to understand, I have a baby that I'm nursing, and I got stuff going on at the office. I got patients that I'm seeing. I'm a cybersecurity tech, that, and, and, it's, and stuff is going on. What does the kingdom of God have to do with my life right now? Well, what does the kingdom of God have to do with me crunching numbers as an accountant? What does the kingdom of God have to do with my marriage breaking up and going adrift right now? What does the kingdom of God have to do with me right now in my neighborhood, on my job where the boss doesn't like me, on my job where the employees doesn't, don't like me? What does the kingdom of God have to do with my life right now? Well, I'll tell you, it has a whole lot to do with it. Why? Because Jesus used this phrase 111 times in 84 different places in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God so much because he wanted his followers to know that it matters. It matters to everything that you and I do. It matters to our finances. It matters to our marriages. It matters to our children. It matters to our careers. It literally matters to everything that we do. The kingdom of God. So we ask the question, what in the world is the kingdom of God and why is it important for you and me? Well, here's a, a brief definition of the kingdom of God. I'm in your notes now. The kingdom of God is this, simply this. It is the reign and rule of God over all creation. It is the reign and rule of God over all creation. It is God's kingly rule over the world, but it's also God's kingly rule over our lives. It is God being over and in control of your life and mine and the world in which we live. We are image bearers. We are God's creation. And because we are God's creation, we fit into that, that realm where God is over, that God is in control. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of God, I want you to know that Jesus is actually using the language of his day. Now, there were kings and there were emperors. Emperors were over the entire empire. So a dude like Caesar, Caesar was considered an emperor. He was over the entire empire. And in various regions, there were kings that kings were controlled, they controlled the regions within the empire. And they had control over whether the, the safety of the citizens, the citizens were the subject of uh, the subjects of that king. Now, had Jesus been born in a different part of the Roman Empire, we might be talking about in the Bible not the kingdom of God, but the empire of God. We might be talking about God as emperor as opposed to God as king or the kingdom of God. But because Jesus is born where he was born, he took advantage of the language of the day, the region of the day, to help his people to understand what it means for God to be in control of the world, but also 
our lives. So he says, so you would see, you would hear often if you read through the Gospels, the kingdom of, the kingdom of God is like. The reign and rule of God is like this. And then he would give a parable or he would give a brief little story about what the kingdom of God was like. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of God, a kingdom has a king, and a king in a kingdom in the first century could tell his people in that kingdom what to do, and they had to do it. If they decided not to do it, they would be living in active, open rebellion against the king, and there were consequences for them not living according to what the king said. So so the kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God over all of creation, including you and me. The reign and rule of God is over all creation, including you and me, and it literally is that he has a right to tell us how to live. He has a right to control the world in which we live, and he has a right to control our little worlds as well. But the reality is, is if you're anything like me, you don't want anybody telling you what to do. If you're anything like me, you're saying deep down inside, you are not the boss of me. So you got an amen right there. The truth is, we don't like people reigning over us. We don't like people ruling over us. So there's this, there's this parable in Luke chapter 19. It's about the, the minas where Jesus or the, the Jesus gives money uh, or the, 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 um, the nobleman or the leader gives money to these individuals. He's off to go receive a kingdom, and then he's going to return. So he gives them the, 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 the wages. He gives them the money and um, but there's this little phrase that caught my attention that I think it describes all of us at some point. And this is in verse 14. So this is, the, this is part of the parable. And this is what it says. But his citizens, talking about the king's citizens, hated him and sent a delegation after him. He's off to go get a kingdom. The citizens of this kingdom that, that he's presently over, they send a delegation to him saying, we don't want you reigning over us. We don't want you reigning over us. I think that is such a 2023 term for Christians today. We want God to make us comfortable. We want God to get us out of trouble. We want God to heal our illness and sickness. We want God to give us a job. We want God to give us all the delicacies of life, but we don't want him reigning over us. In fact, we love it. We love when adversity comes. We say God is in control. We love saying that, right? You know, you know, you know, hey, God is in control. 
And we throw up holy hands and we praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You are in control. Until We love it until he wants to control our lives. Ooh, I hear groans. Ooh, I'm taking it like you agree with that. We, we want him to control everything, all the bad stuff. But when it comes to him directing our lives, us living according to his agenda, not ours, that's when we say we don't want you reigning over us. So here's, a, here's an image that I, I, I captured I captured yesterday. So the coronation was yesterday, and uh, not that you really care about all of that. And coronation was yesterday. Not everybody in the United Kingdom was happy. There were people around sporting T-shirts like this. Not my king. Charles, was, Charles III was crowned, and yet there were people saying, not my king. And you know something? We laugh at this, but check, it, check this out. Deep down inside, deep down inside, you and I are saying to God, the king of the universe, not my king. Not my king. Not my king. Because, all right, y'all don't laugh at me, all right? Feel like I'm back in Chicago. Like this is. <laughs> we say not my king. This is really a mic stand, but it's used as a scepter today. <laughs> we say not my king. Why? Because I'm my own king. I carry my own scepter, I have my own throne, and I sit on my throne, and I'll come here, and I'll worship, and I'll sing the songs that he is king of kings and lord of lords, and I'll sing the songs that, that I'll, I'll even read the passages, and I'll, I'll, even, I'll even end my small group, we'll talk about, yeah, Jesus is king, but when it comes to the brass tacks of our lives, we are sitting on our own throne, we have our own scepter, and the crown on our head. And we tell God, myself included, not my king. I'll call you when I need you. Hey, worship team, sing my song. <laughs> not my king. And we parade around, I mean, we, we, we pretend, I know they're capturing this on some sort of video or something, this is, I know we, we, we walk around and we pretend like he is our king. But we're still holding the scepter. We're still wearing the crown. We're still sitting on the throne. And we say, God, you know, man, I am sick right now. Would you please heal me? Yeah, you're my king. And after he heals us, we sit back down and I control my life. So let me ask. And I, wanna, I want you to answer back. Why, why, do you think, why do you think we don't want God reigning over us? I want you to answer back. I just, like, let's just have a conversation. Why, why do you think, I wish I could sit, I wish I could sit, like, 
in the seats with you and have this conversation face-to-face. But let's, let's have it in this way. Why, why do you think, instead of thinking out there about somebody else, I want you to think about your life. When those, in those moments, in those moments, why, why would you say, I don't want him reigning as king of my, of my life? So let me see hands let me, and just, okay, John. Original sin, pride. He said it like, yeah, man, that's, that's what it is. Original sin, pride, I want my way. Here, um, here and then back here. Fear. What do you mean by fear? Yeah, fear of the outcome. So the opposite of fear is faith. And so we don't trust God. And because we don't trust God, we fear the outcome. We fear. Here's what we fear. And and I'm going to tell you where this comes from. We fear that God doesn't know what he's doing. And we fear that God is going to do something in and to our lives that we don't like and that that God doesn't have our best interest at heart. Here's the problem. Here's the issue. The reason we fear that God doesn't know what he's doing is because we have not gotten to know the Father. And when we get to know the Father, we will recognize that God loves us. He's a benevolent king. He is a compassionate king. He is a loving king. He has our best interest in mind. Somebody else, what, why don't we, back here, yes. Yeah, it is about control. I want control. I want control. I don't want God to be in control. And so it's about control. Let's take one more. One more. Yes. Comfort. When I am doing this, when I have my own throne, this is comfortable for me. But the moment God says, hey, I want you to take off that hat or that crown. And I want you to take off the robe. I want, you to, I want you to get off the seat. And I want you to lay the scepter down. And I want you to do something that you've never done before that's very uncomfortable. So what it means for God to be king, this is, what, this is the reason why it's important for us to understand this concept. This has everything to do with diapers. has everything to do with computer programming. It, it has everything to do with God being not just in control, not just over the world, over our lives, and over those aspects of our lives that I'm holding close to the vest. The interesting thing is that God already knows it. And what God is saying, what I want you to do, what I would love for you to do, I'm inviting you to do, is to submit it to me without me having to bring trouble, to bring sickness, so that you will know that I truly am in control. So God says, God says, I, man, I, I want you to know that I am reigning and ruling over all. Now, the interesting thing is, is that, that God, God's reign and rule is so much better than ours. 
I mean, when we reign and rule over our own lives and when we sit on that throne and we hold the scepter, we put the crown on our head, man, how many detours have you taken in life? I know I can, I, I stopped counting. How, how, many, how many moments, how many moments of disappointments have you had because you tried to rule and reign in your own life? How, how, many, how many face plants have you had because you tried to rule and reign in your own life? As opposed to saying, God, I'm inviting you in to help my marriage. God, I'm inviting you in to help my finances. God, I'm inviting you in to help, my, uh, to help me with my children. God, I'm inviting you in to help me with my career. God, I'm inviting you in to help me with my addiction. God, I'm inviting you in. Like, like, when, like, like when, when we try to do it ourselves, God says, I'm going to show you that it doesn't work. So God's way, God's reign and rule is so much better than ours. Listen to the text. It says, uh, this is Romans chapter uh, 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a physical kingdom, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So God is saying, listen, if you hang with me, I'll show you the way life ought to be. If you hang with me, I'll show you how you've been designed. If you hang with me, I'll show you my will for your life. If you hang with me, I'll lead you and direct you on the right path. If you hang with me, I'll show you where you're supposed to go in your career. If you hang with me, I'll show you where you're supposed to go in your, uh, in your relationship life. If you hang with me, I'll help you with your finances. I'll give you peace beyond your wildest dream. I'll give you joy beyond your wildest dream. I'll show you all the brokenness in your life. I'll begin to fix it and mend it if you hang with me. And that is found not in the world's way. It is found in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So when you and I engage in prayer, when you and I engage in the Word, and we invite the Holy Spirit to, to into, our, into our lives and into our sphere, into our relationships and into our finances and into our addictions, the Holy Spirit will show us the depths of peace we can have. He'll show us the direction that God wants us, that, that God has designed for our lives. He'll show us how he has literally given, that this is how I've designed your mind and your heart. God will do that if we hang with him. God's way is so much better. His way, his kingdom, his reign, his rule is so much better than ours. I hear you saying, well, well, Marvin, if, if, if God is reigning and ruling now and he's ruling over the entire world and he is reigning and ruling over us. Now, here's, a, here's a, the, the point. Whether you and I acknowledge it or not, God is king. Whether, whether we acknowledge him or not in our lives as king, he is king. He is going to be king whether we bow the knee or not. One day when Jesus returns, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and kings of kings. And so whether we do it now, eventually we will do it. It's better to do it now than to do it when he returns and we, um, better to do it now submissively and, and willingly. So, so the question is, if, if God is reigning and ruling over everything, why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? Why is there so much violence in the world? How come God just doesn't just stop it all right now? Well, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you two uh, a two-part answer, and people much smarter than I am um, came up with this concept, and it's called already, not yet. Say it with me: already, 
Not yet. Already. Not yet. One more time. Already. Not yet. So in other words, when Jesus showed up on the scene, the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God showed up with him. So let me show you. This is, um, this is Mark chapter uh, 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and here's our word, and the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God is at hand. At hand is just simply another word for it's near. And the response to it being near, repent and believe. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, this is what he's saying. You're looking at the reign and rule of God. I am the embodiment of the reign and rule of God. And he proved it. So every time Jesus healed someone, it was a manifestation of the reign and rule of God. That is, God is over and in control of sickness. Every time Jesus cast out a demon... It was a manifestation of the kingdom of God. And it was saying, when Jesus cast out a demon, it was actually saying that God is over demonic forces. Every time someone, every time, every time someone forgave someone, it was a manifestation of the kingdom of God, is that, that God is over hatred and unforgiveness. Every miracle that Jesus actually did, it was a manifestation of the kingdom of God. It was saying that the kingdom of God is already present and in your midst. And so when you and I pray for healing and someone is healed, it is a manifestation of the kingdom of God showing up in our world. Every time someone prays and someone is delivered from demonic oppression and depression, it is a manifestation of the kingdom of God in our world. Every time someone forgives someone of an offense, it really is a manifestation of the kingdom of God at work in our world. It is showing that God is still in control over sickness, that God is still in control over demonic oppression and, 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 and uh, depression, that God is still in control when Jesus stilled the storm. It was a manifestation of the kingdom of God saying that God is over all of nature. So you and I, we, we have this, I think we undersell what it means to be in the kingdom of God. That you and I have an opportunity to see that the kingdom of God is already. That you and I can actually experience it now. We don't have to wait until we die. We don't, have to, uh, we don't have to rest in peace in order to live in peace. We can actually live in peace now because the kingdom of God was manifested in Jesus. And he delegated those of that authority and that power to us as well. So the kingdom of God is already, but it is also not yet. It's also not yet. In other words, you and I have not experienced the fullness of healing in our world. We have not experienced the fullness of, um, of, of, of seeing people, uh, everyone being delivered. 
We haven't experienced the fullness of it. One day in the future, we are going to experience the fullness of the reign and rule of God in our lives. Your life and mine. So that's the reason it's the already and the not yet. So every time we experience healing here, it's a foretaste of the complete healing that we'll experience in the kingdom of God. Every time we experience a miracle here, it is a, it is a foretaste of what we're going to experience when Jesus returns. When we see that violence, when we see violence stopped in Jesus' name, it is a foretaste of uh, a land and a land and a world where there will be no more violence. When we see someone's tears dried up because of the spirit is at work in their lives, it is a foretaste of, of, of a place where there will be no more tears. So, so, so there's this sense where the kingdom of God is already, we get to experience it now, but we don't experience the fullness right now. But one day when Jesus returns, there will be no more violence. There will be no more racism. There will be no more rape. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more tears. There will be no more pain and suffering. There will be no more temptation, no more addiction, no more worry and anxiety, no more fear, no more feelings of shame and guilt. Jesus, come quickly. Because one day, we're experiencing it now to a small degree. But one day when he comes back, we'll experience the fullness of what it means to have God reign and rule over our world and our lives. So, so what does this mean? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for our lives? What does this mean for the mother who is nursing her baby or taking kids to soccer practice? What does it mean for the attorney writing briefs? And what does it mean for the teacher teaching math and science in class? What does it mean for computer programmers and cybersecurity techs? And what does it mean for retired people from their jobs? And what, what does it mean for a coach who's investing in the lives of young people? What does it mean for a physician who is seeing patients every day? What does it mean for a married couple who... who who they've drifted apart? What does it mean for a single person trying to stay pure and trying to live a thriving single life? What does it mean for us? That's a big word, kingdom of God, reign and rule of God. What does it mean for us? Well, here's a big phrase. Here's a big phrase. So what do we do with this information? We recognize God's rule, recognize God's rule, and respond appropriately to his reign. So how do we do that? Recognize God's rule. God, you are king. And now I'm about to respond appropriately to your reign in my life and in the world. How do we do that? Let me give you several ways which we can do that. Number one, seek it. Seek it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and verse 34 um, some of you know this passage, but it's a great, great passage to memorize. It says, verse 33, but seek first, the kingdom of God. In other words, seek first, make it a priority to actually, to make, to make God's reign and rule, God, what you say uh, about me, where you say I should go, where you say I should live, all of those things, I am going to seek your plan for my life before I seek my own plan for my life. So that's what the text says, seek first, make it a priority, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the way things ought to be. 
and all the stuff you and I worry about, God says, I'll take care of that. That's the context of this passage. All the stuff you and I worry about, God says, I'll take it. He just says, hey, when you get ready to get a new job, when you get ready to leave your job, seek me first. When you get ready to spend your money, seek me first. When, when you get ready to, to say, you know, I think I'm going to go with the career that makes the most money. God says, well, wait a minute. Did you consult me on that? Like, like, like I have placed so much inside of you that, 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 that I am going to give you something that you may not be making the most money, but you'll add the most value. So, so, so seek it. Every day when you and I pray, that's the reason it's so important for you and I to pray, whether it's, whether it's in the morning when you get up or whether it's in the night before you go to bed or whether it's throughout the day, God, please help me, help me to submit to your reign and rule in my life today. So when the boss says something to me, God, I want you to reign over me because if I reign over myself, I'm going to get fired. So God, I want you to reign over me. The, the project that I'm doing right now, I'm going to cut corners. No, God says, I'm reigning and ruling over you. I want you to actually do, it, do a good job. Not just a good job, I want you to do an excellent job. I want you just doing C work or mediocre work. I want you to act. I'm reigning over you, so I want you to, God, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to walk into this courtroom? How do you want me to walk into the, uh, to the, the operating room? How do you want me to walk into this meeting? So seek it. Seek it. How do we seek it? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Listen, do everything to the glory of God. That's what the text says. Uh, 1031, um, 1 Corinthians 1031. Uh, like whatever you do, if you can put that verse up, 1031. It says, so whatever you, whatever, um, you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So when you get ready to do all that you do, nursing a baby, playing soccer with your kids, coaching those boys up, Steve in football, handling all the stuff that you handle, um, Alan, all the stuff, do it to the glory of God. Do it in such a way that at the end of the day, God would say, yeah, I approve. You actually did good work on this. You didn't cut any corners, so, so seek it. How do we seek it? Do everything we do to the glory of God. Here, secondly, proclaim it. Proclaim it. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons um, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So in other words, he says, I want you to talk about the reign and rule of God. I want you to talk about it to your friend, with your friends. That this is what it looks like. This is what my life looks like when God is over my life. And then you can also say, hey, I want to show you a part of my life that doesn't look so good when I am over my life. But this is how it looks. And I want to tell you about the peace that surpasses all understanding. I want, you to tell you, I want to tell you about the joy that I have right now when I should not have joy. Proclaim it. Tell other people about it. This is what it looks like in my life, and it can look like that way in yours as well. Jesus says, man, you, can, you, have, 
you and I have been delegated authority. You and I have been delegated power. We can actually pray for people and ask God to heal them. You don't need the elders for that. You don't need the prayer team for that. I just came back from Ethiopia. Many of you didn't probably didn't know that. Just came back from Ethiopia a second time. Went over with a group called TTI, uh, the Timothy Initiative, and we went to southern Ethiopia. Um, we were in the north first, and then we went to southern Ethiopia that borders um, uh, Kenya, and we met. We, so you hear people talk about the 1040 window or an unreached people group. I, I got an opportunity to actually see an unreached people group, a, pe- a group of people called the Tsamai group or the Tsamai tribe. And this is an unreached people group where the gospel is not being, is not advancing. And I got an opportunity to see the gospel blowing up in this area. And while we were there, 41 people were baptized from a group that was not reached with the gospel. And so the gospel is taking root. And you know how the gospel took root in this little village? A 19-year-old young man by the name of Tito prayed for a man who was about to die. And this man, God healed this man. And when God healed this man, all the people in the village started coming like, like what happened? They knew this guy to be sick, and they knew him to be sick almost to the point of death. What happened to this man? And Tito just said, well, I, like I, I just prayed for him, and he was healed. You want to hear about Jesus? 19 years old. So unassuming, almost bashful. And now this church is filled with 60 people. 41 of them were baptized while we were there. They wanted us to see this group because in about a year, this people will be off the list because instead of being an unreached people group, they would have been reached. And so they wanted us to see the tribe before they were reached with the gospel. So, so cool. So you, you, you can proclaim it. You can proclaim it on your job. You can proclaim what it looks like. You can pray for people on your job. You can pray for people in your neighborhood. You can actually uh, proclaim it in such a way that you, you're saying, this is what life, this is what my life looked like before Jesus. This is what my life looks like now. And then represent it. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verses uh, 17 through 20. I just will highlight the word there, ambassador that you and I represent the kingdom of God wherever we go. Whether we're on social media, whether we're on our jobs, we represent Jesus wherever we go. Even the way we cut our grass, or if we cut our grass. I'm serious, that people walk past our lawns and say, well, I bet those people are lazy, if, they, if our grass is not cut. Like, I bet those people are lazy. That's, that's the last thing we, we want to represent. I'm just saying in every area of our lives, even the lawn. And then finally, pray it. Pray it, Matthew 6.10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Instead of complaining about what's happening in the world, how about let's pray that your God, your kingdom come, and that we would help bring, usher in the kingdom of God in the world today. Instead of criticizing everything that's happening, how about we begin praying, Lord, your kingdom come. Now use me to show up in my neighborhood and on my job in such a way that it actually shows what the kingdom looks like when we're submissive to God. Now in with this. Some of you are right now, you're still 
on your throne, still holding your scepter, still wearing your crown, and your life is a mess. But I will, by God, control my own life. God says you don't have to. Seriously, you don't. I have so much more peace for you. I have so much more joy for you. I have so much more for you than you can ever dream, ever imagine. And all I'm asking you to do, all I'm asking you to do is trust me. It's what Summer said, trust me. Trust me. Don't be afraid of me. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a harsh king. I'm a benevolent king. I'm a compassionate king. I'm a loving king. Will you trust me? And, and, and really what he's asking, he says, like, like would, you, would you please, Marvin, would you please, Marvin, would you please take off the crown? It's way too big for your head. Only the God of the universe can do that. So part of what it means to repent is to take off the crown and say, God, I, I, I give you control of my life. Part, part of what it is, it's taking off the robe and saying, God, this life is yours. And, and the last thing that I have, God says, Marvin, would you please give up the scepter? It, 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 it doesn't fit you. And part of what it means to repent is, I'm scared, God. To lay the scepter down and give him control over your career, over your money, over your families, over your future, even over the stuff you read and watch. That's a whole nother message altogether. So if he's going to be Lord and King, he's saying, would you invite me into every area of your life? So I'm going to ask the elders and the prayer team members and deacons to come down. Uh, um, if you have a need, a concern, someone to, you want someone to pray with you, you want someone to do business with God with you on your behalf, um, and, and maybe it's a surrender. Today is a surrender day for you. I'm surrendering this thing to God. I'm surrendering this relationship with God. I'm surrendering this fear to God. I'm surrendering this shame, this guilt to God. We have some people who love you, who care about you, who will pray with you as you come forward today. Let's stand together and pray. God of the universe, you are king whether we acknowledge it or not, but we desire to willfully acknowledge you as our king. So this week, may we seek your reign and rule in our lives when, before we get ready to make decisions. May we seek you out. Whatever we do this week, may we do it to your glory and honor so that you might smile after we've done it. So may we seek your kingdom. 
And then, God, give us the courage, the boldness to proclaim it by the power of your spirit this week. When we have an opportunity to pray for someone, God, I pray you would just help us to do that. We would not be bashful. We would not be ashamed. But that we would actually use those moments as an opportunity to proclaim this is what life looks like when we are under a benevolent, compassionate, loving, great king. And then, God, help us to represent every door we walk into, every table we sit at this week. May we represent you. May we represent heaven in all that we do and say. God, it's hard in our world, and yet we're, we're asking you to empower us to represent the kingdom well. And then may we pray with fervency and with passion and with boldness that your kingdom would come on earth as you see it in heaven. Give us a longing and a hunger and an ache for your kingdom to come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and have a great week.